Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Judges chapter 16. Go there in your Bible. And uh, I'm going to read some verses. And this is in the middle of the life of Samson. I'm going to read some verses to you, and then I'll explain where we're at and where we're going from there. Um, So if you don't know what's going on when I read these verses, don't worry. I'm going to lay a groundwork and give you a little bit of a framework for where we're going today. But I am excited to preach. Are you excited for the Word? Amen. Judges chapter 16, verses 18. This is in the middle of the life of Samson. It says, when Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and she and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, well, I will go out just as I always do as at the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. He became this mighty man, Samson, became a, with no eyeballs, a grinder in the prison. I want to preach a message this afternoon. If you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, you can write down the title. It's called The Mess in the Middle. The Mess in the Middle. I preached this last Sunday at our church, and I figure if L.A. liked it, O.C. is going to like it. And uh, I want to preach today about the middle, the middle of what God has for you. And uh, contextually speaking about this story, we know that Samson... Samson, before he was even born, an angel of the Lord comes to his mom and dad. Now, this is fascinating because only four times throughout all of Scripture does this happen. An angel comes to Isaac's parents, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Samson. An angel comes and says, your child, your son is going to be great. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be a deliverer. At this time, the Israelites, they were under the oppressive rule of the Philistines and God shows up and says, I'm going to use your child to be a deliverer. Your child is going to be somebody. Don't drink no wine. Do not shave his hair. Obviously, that's not my calling. Um, but, but do not touch his hair because he's going to be somebody. Now, so this is just the beginning of his life. I want to give you a little content. The beginning of his life before he's born, an angel shows up at the house and says, your child will be somebody. Just good news. I know we're reading in the middle. Good news. The end of the story, the end of Samson's life, Samson goes down in the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. So he goes down in the end as a total legend. So good news, I know we're going to read the middle, but good news, the end of it, God calls Samson a great man of faith. At the end, Samson fulfills the call of God on his life. But it's oftentimes that it's the middle of life where the challenge really comes. And I want to preach today about the mess in the middle of you would. Let's bow our heads and let's pray over God's word. Father, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for this great gathering where we can be strengthened and encouraged by who you are. We ask today by the power of your spirit, 
Open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do right now. We are thanking you that we can remind ourselves that you are so forgiving. You are so kind, so loving. We love you more than life itself. And God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're believing that the Los Angeles Angels will win the pennant this year. Let them win the World Series in Jesus' name. And we all said together. Come on, Angels fans. We're going to need a little bit more faith than that. Any Laker fans here today? Where are the Laker fans at? Okay. <laughs> there we go. That's Shaq over there. All right. Um, my mom, uh, she's the sweetest lady in the whole world. My mom is a short little Hispanic uh, Mexican. My mom grew up in a city called Mexicali. Are there any Mexicans here today? Where the Mexican folk at? My mom is, is the greatest. She's the best. I love her with all my heart. A few years ago was my mom's birthday. And on her birthday, I asked my mother, mom, what, what do you want for your birthday? I'll get you whatever you want. Get on Amazon prime or whatever, and I'll buy you whatever you want. My mom looked at me and years ago, my mom, all of a sudden she got into running. She got really passionate about running. She just all of a sudden, she's like Forrest Gump, just got up and started running and um, made no sense to me at all. Makes no sense at all, but she just started running. So my mom on, on her birthday a few years ago, she said, son, uh, uh, this year for my birthday, I want you to run the Seattle half marathon with me this year in Se I'm from Seattle. And she said, will you please run this Seattle half marathon? Well, I know how fast or shall we say slow my mom is. So I was like, yeah, I can walk at your pace and your run will be good. I'll do it with you. Okay. So it, it, the, the Seattle half marathon happens on Thanksgiving weekend in Seattle. It's right after Thanksgiving. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Sunday they run. It's very cold. It's in the wintertime. And, and so I agreed. Now I met my mom at her hotel room, downtown Seattle. She had stayed at the Night before and we're getting prepped to go on the run now I had brought my iPod and my headphones because I'm gonna go you know 13 miles so I'm gonna need some music you know some some rocky jams to get me going so so I, I got it we're about to leave the hotel my mom looked at me she said son you cannot bring your headphones and your iPod they don't allow that on this race I thought wow that's very interesting it's very weird but okay so we get down to the Space Needle I had no idea that day I had no clue walking up that I was about about to witness 20,000 people running this Seattle half, mar half marathon. When I walked up to the Space Needle and I saw 20,000 other people, I went from going on a walk with mom to, oh snap, I'm about to compete with 20,000 people. It's on. I, had, I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. I know we're about to have a special moment together, but I got to stretch my hammy out. I got to get, the, you know what I'm saying? I got to touch my toes because I'm, your boy's gone, okay? When they said, when the guy said over the speakerphone, on your mark, get set, go. I promise to God, I ran the fastest mile I've ever ran in my life. The first mile of that marathon, I think I did it in five minutes, two seconds. I mean, I was gloating. I'm, I'm flying in the air, just like, like I, I, I promise you. I, it was the easiest mile that I've ever run. We were running with 20,000 people through downtown. I was blitzing. I was so fast. I'm telling the, the, the end of the race, when we finished the half marathon, I promise you, you end near the Space Needle. They 
bring you into a football arena. There's crowds, seas of people. I think they hire all these people to be fans. They're applauding you. They're chanting your name. I'm waving at everybody. Like, I think they're all there for me. When, when you finish this, I'm looking for a reporter that wants to do an interview with me. I'm looking for everybody's. I feel like they're, they're snapping photos for their Instagram of me finishing the race. I feel like a million bucks. The beginning was amazing. The end was fulfilling. But can I tell you the middle? You ever be seven miles into a run and all you hear is your own breathing? Mile eight, do you know your mind goes to a strange place on mile eight? Mile eight, you start thinking about old girlfriends that broke your heart. Mile nine, you start thinking about coaches that gave you no playing time. Mile 10, you start thinking about teachers that gave you Fs. I'm telling you, it, it was a hard thing in the middle of the race. I want to tell you today, the beginning of something is inspiring. Beginnings are inspiring. Endings are fulfilling. There's something about ending something. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. It's fulfilling. It's inspiring on that side. It's fulfilling on this side. But there's something about having strength, fortitude, resolve, and faith for the middle. I want to talk today about being someone that grabs a hold of God in the middle of your race the middle of your journey. Samson was called by God in the beginning. I'm just going to give you a few things to write down, and I want to encourage you with these things. Write down number one, Samson was, by definition, he was destined for greatness. His life before he starts, an angel comes to his parents and said, your son is going to be somebody. This guy has a future. I don't know if you have a great parent, and I don't know if you've ever been uh, declared over this, but I want to tell you today, you are destined for greatness. God has a plan for your life. You are, not, uh, you are not a coincidence. You are not obscure. God has greatness for your future. You, you, you've got something ahead. Um, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declare the Lord. You've been made for greatness by greatness. God has greatness all over you. Come on, anybody thankful today that you have a hope, you have a future, and you've been destined for greatness. This wasn't just for Samson. This is for you the same. I'll never forget my, my first child, my, my, my firstborn. Her name is Georgia. She's, she's four now, almost five. And, and I remember when, when my wife was pregnant, when it was like, you know, Ben and Carissa, when it's our first, when it's your first, it's so special. And I remember we, we, would, we would, at night, I would lay my hands on my wife's stomach and I would begin to pray over my daughter. To this day, I do not know why, but I felt so inclined that every time I laid hands on my wife's stomach to pray over my firstborn. I don't know why to this day, but I felt like God began to tell me, pray a global grace over your daughter. So I would lay hands on, 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 on my wife's stomach and I would say, God, you're gonna use our daughter around the world. The nations will come to know you through this child. And I began to envision 16, 18, 20 years old. She'll sing, she'll speak, she'll do something great for God. I will never forget when our daughter was born, we left the hospital with a clean bill of health. We thought everything was fine with our child. But at just four months old, she would receive a diagnosis. But through this diagnosis, God would begin to use our daughter around the world. That people would literally come to more faith and come to a knowledge of Jesus through her story. Come on, anybody believe today that when you're destined for greatness, God doesn't have to wait to use you in your latter years. He can use you in the beginning years. He was destined for greatness. 
You were destined for greatness. Samson grew up like, like maybe the Franklin kids with, a, with great parents calling greatness out in them, telling them that they're great. You know, he, he walked around maybe like a pastor's kid that knew I am somebody. I'm called to do something. I know who I am. I've got royalty in my veins. I'm supposed to be somebody. The angel wouldn't have told my parents if I wasn't somebody. Samson walk, walked around knowing that he was destined for greatness. But even though he was destined for greatness, the Bible says he began right down number two. He was distracted by weakness. The Bible says in in, Jerem, uh, in, in, in Judges here, that all of a sudden he begins to speak to his parents in Judges chapter 14 and he starts to ask them for something that God had meant no business for this man to have. Watch what it says here. It says in, in chapter 14, verse one through three, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among, my own, among our own people? Translation, his parents begin to say, Son, can you not go fishing in your own pond? Can you not find a wife at Free Chapel? Do you have to go get an Australian? Can you just stay right here? I didn't mean to make it that sensitive, but we was all thinking it, okay? Couldn't find an Aussie girl, had to come get... Okay, anyways. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among the Australians or my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. This is amazing contextually because Samson, he's, he's called by the angel for greatness. Well, what's the greatness? He was supposed to, as a Hebrew boy, be a deliverer from the enemy, the Philistines. This is the enemy. And Samson has a weakness for the ladies. <laughs> Samson has a weakness for women. He's strong before men, but he's weak before women. He has a weakness in his life that something, it caught his eye. It, it, it got inside of him. He, he, he knew it was off limits. He knew it was forbidden. He knew he should never go there, but he had a weakness for women. It, it, it's amazing to me. Sometimes we can justify our own weakness while we judge another person's weakness. We can say in our own life, well, yeah, this is our weakness, but how, how dare they have a weakness with alcohol? How dare they have a weakness with women? How dare they have a weakness with this issue? Can, can I ask you a question? Have you identified your weakness? Do you know what it is? Is, that you always fall under this thing. You know, I'm, I'm given to, maybe for you it's gossip. Maybe for you it's rebellion. Maybe for you, you have been so deceived by the enemy to become an LA Clippers fan. <laughs> Hashtag real talk. And you, what, what, what is your weakness? I, I can come clean, you know, today in front of the church about my weakness and my struggle. And I make no apology about being honest that my weakness is peanut M&M's. It's the hard candy shell. It's the, um, it's the milk chocolate. It's that little peanut right there in the middle. 
The other day we were at the movies, went and saw Finding Dory. Anybody see Finding Dory yet? We went and saw Finding Dory and I'm, I'm there. You know, we got the popcorn and the soda. We paid the $500 we got in. You know, we're there as a family. And I, 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 in, the, in the middle, I'm like, I'm just like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't you go get those feet and M&Ms. Don't you do it. I'm just like, don't you do it. <laughs> don't you do it. <laughs> don't do it. And I looked at my wife. I was like, I'll be right back. Because <laughs> I know the bag's really big at the movies. It's not that small one. I just yeah, put it in the popcorn and got busy. But can you, have you identified your weakness? Do you know the thing for Samson? It was women that were forbidden. But what is it for you? Because the reality is all of us have something that we're prone to or susceptible to. All of us have something that will, will literally sabotage or delay our destiny. Samson was destined for greatness, but he was distracted by weakness. He said, no, go get me. I, his parents say, no, 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 you, you shouldn't do this. Samson. He said, I know what I shouldn't do, but this is what I want to do. And, and I'm a slave to my flesh. So, so go get me that woman. The Bible says that his parents come, they bring the, the whole, the whole thing. They, 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 they have a huge wedding and, and he's in his tux and, and she's in her gown and, and, and they, they have a huge festivity. And, and it says after they're married that he starts to, to fool around with the enemy even more. He, he, he gives them a riddle. He goes, um, if you can figure this out, I'll give you X amount of linens. If you can't figure this out, then you'll owe me. And so he pre creates and, and gives his enemy, the Philistines, this, this riddle where it's his, it's his wife, it's his newly wed, it's his, they're, they're fresh off their honeymoon. His newly wed wife looks at him and says, babe, you are obviously going to tell me your secret, right? Remember in life, whoever has your secret, that's who really has your heart. So she she pulls out of him the secret. She goes back to the enemy and tells the riddle. They solve it. And all of a sudden, he feels so burned and hurt and betrayed. He knew his parents were right. He knew he should have never messed around with that thing. But now he is so hurt. Watch what the Bible says. He, 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 he pays up. He's so downtrodden. He's so depressed. He goes back home with his tail between his legs. He feels like a failure. Watch what it says in the message translation. Judges chapter 14. Watch how it reads. It says, stalking out, smoking with anger. He went home to his father's house. Samson's bride became the wife of the best man at his wedding. Guy code. That should never happen. He's so hurt. He's so betrayed. His, his wife betrays him. His best man betrays him. He goes back home. He's sulking. He's angry. All he can do is really Netflix and chill. He's playing FIFA soccer all day long. He is in depression. He's going, this is not my life. I'm supposed to be great. I'm supposed to do great things for God. But he's over here. He's pouting. He's hurt. But watch what the Bible says. It says all of a sudden, if he didn't learn the first time, now Samson goes back to the women of the Philistines a second time. Because the reality is what you don't get healed from ultimately will kill you. If the thing that you can't get over will always be, remain the thing that you're under, you will always go back to the same problem. You will always go back to the same issues. Come on, anybody thankful today that we do not have to go back to the same struggle and the same problem and the same pain. He was destined for greatness. He was distracted by weakness. And write down number three, he was delusional with pain. 
He was delusional with pain. He was hurt. He was frustrated. How could they do this? How could this happen? He goes back and in his pain, in the anger of his past, he can't get over it. And so he literally comes back and he goes back to the same problem. My question to you today is this. Have you been healed from your hurts? Have you been healed from your past? Because if you don't get healed, if you can't get over that thing, you will always remain under that thing. If you can't let so-and-so go, if you can't let that issue, whether it was a comment or or a conversation, whether it was a person that was abusive to you, whether it was someone that did, did you wrong or did you dirty, if you can't find forgiveness and peace, you will find yourself back in the same situation. Even if you're destined for greatness, even if God has a plan for your life, you cannot live delusional with pain. It is very hard to make sober decisions when you're emotionally stimulated. I cannot make contemporary decisions by historical pain. I cannot govern my life. I remember a few years ago, I was playing basketball and I, I tore the ligament, all the ligaments in my foot. I was, I was playing basketball and rolled my ankle. And I remember the pain was so excruciating that I literally couldn't make any decisions or any judgment calls on, in the moment because I was so hurt. The, the throbbing, the pain, the, the wound was, it just, I, I wanted to stop. I just, it's too much. It's, I can't bear it. I couldn't govern my life. What is it in your world that has been so painful that it's hard for you to move forward? It's hard for you to get a grip and a grasp on reality. Samson was so hurt by his wife. He was so hurt by his friend that he actually goes back to another Philistine girl. This time her name is Delilah. Now Delilah, we know, this is fascinating, Delilah was hired by the enemy. The enemy, the Philistine said, we know Samson. Samson has a weakness for our women. So Delilah wasn't in love with Samson. She was just paid a lot of money for Samson. So Delilah gets him into a relationship. Now he's with Delilah and he's flirting with the enemy. Be careful. A lot of us think that if we play with matches, we're not going to get burned. But the reality is if you play with matches, you're going to get burned. And, and so he's got Delilah now and they're together and this is going down. And long story short, the same thing that happened to the first, with the first lady is the same thing that happens with the second lady. They run up on Samson. They take out his eyeballs and they make him a prisoner. This is amazing to me. This is, this is, this is where gets really good because now he's destined for greatness. He's distracted by weakness. He's delusional with pain. And now he's debilitated with regret. He's got so much regret in his life. He's thinking to himself how he's in prison with no eyes. He's thinking to himself, how in the world did I get myself in this situation? How in the world? Some of us in life, we think I never thought I would end up here. I never thought it would be me. I, I'm great Samson. Now he's in prison. He's got no eyeballs. He's, he's chained. He's bound. And he's thinking to himself, how did I end up here? How I know in life today, we're supposed to live with no regrets. Like I've got no regrets. If I wouldn't have gone through all that, it wouldn't have made me who I am today. But come on, who are we kidding? A lot of us have regrets with our past. A lot of us regret that decision. We regret that one night. We regret that one comment. We regret that thing that we did, the thing that we said, the thing that we weren't supposed to do. Now, Samson is finally at a place where it's not just a distraction. It's not just some pain. Now he's filled with regret. He's in prison. His eyes are gone. He's bound. He's thinking, how did this happen to me? Some of us are thinking today, I'll never end up there. I can flirt with this issue and I won't get caught. I can mess around in this situation, but I know my limitation. 
You know, Samson, he thought the same thing, and he inched closer and closer and closer, and pretty soon, before he knew it, he was at a place that he never thought he'd be. Sin will cost you more than you ever want to pay. It will make you stay longer than you ever want to stay. Because sin, it binds us, and then it blinds us. The enemy of your soul wants to take away your vision. Now Samson is finally at the place where he is bound by his enemy and his eyeballs have been taken out. The enemy, enemy of your soul, he wants to take away your vision and he wants to take away your freedom. Samson's a prisoner to the Philistines. He's supposed to be the deliverer, remember? Now he's in prison. He's, he's bound. He's got no eyes. And they would bring out Samson to perform at their parties. The great deliverer, Samson. Remember, Samson was supposed to be great. He was supposed to do awesome things for God. But now they just bring him out at the parties and he dances for them and performs. Well, the Bible says, and this is my favorite part of the story. It says that one time they bring Samson out in front of all the Philistines and he's having to perform in front of all the people. And Samson, he knows something about God. He begins to pray in this last moment. He says, God... If you'll just give me one more shot, if you'll just give me one more chance, because anybody that knows anything about God knows that we serve the God of second chances. Come on, anybody believe today that it's never too late, that you're never too far gone to get another shot from God. Samson prays, watch this in Judges chapter 16. says, then Samson called to the Lord saying, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines, and he pushed with all of his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in all of his life. He was destined for greatness. He was distracted by weakness. He was delusional with pain. He was debilitated with regret. But I'm telling you in the end, he was, he was, he was determined for redemption. I'm telling you today, I don't know who, who you are and what you've gone through, but there needs to be some resolve in the house where we're, we're, we're determined to redeem some things. Some things that have been broken, some things that have been lost, some things that have been shattered along the way. I'm here to encourage you today, though the righteous may fall seven times, we still get up again. We still rise again. We're still going to try again. If you know anything about God, it's that we God loves to give a second chance. He loves to come through and say, no, 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 you're not too far gone. You're, you're, you're not too much of a failure. I can still work. Samson said, God, if you just hear me, just give me one more shot at redemption. And boom, the end of his life. Hebrews chapter 11, the end of his life, a man of faith. Samson goes out fulfilling the call of God on his life. Now, I read stories like this and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Samson, in the end, he got it right. But I'm telling you today, church, we do not want to be the type of people that in the end of our life, we get one final victory. I do not want to live a life where I finally get one final thing on my deathbed or at the last year of my life. No, I want to live a lifetime of small victories. If I'm destined for greatness, I want to walk in greatness today. If, I, if I'm distracted by weakness, I got to tell somebody about my weakness. If I've got pain in my soul, I want to get over that pain. If I've got regret, then I'm going to let the blood of Jesus take care of my regret. 
invite the worship team to come back up. I was studying the life of Samson and, and studying the middle of his life and thinking to myself, you know what Samson's problem was? What if Samson would have had Jesus? If Samson would have had Jesus, then he would have been all right. The main problem for this man and the difference between him and us is that we've got Jesus. Destined for greatness, that's Jesus. Jesus looks at you and I and he said, greater things you will do than I did. That's Jesus speaking to you. Distracted by weakness, well, have no worries. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, we have a great high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. He actually cares and he can relate with our weakness. Come on, if you've got a weakness today, you've got a Jesus in heaven that's praying for your weakness. And in fact, even furthermore, in your weakness, that's when God's strength is made perfect. If you're weak today, you're in good company. We're all weak. That's why we need Jesus. Delusional with pain? If you've got pain today, just hear some good news. Because Jesus walked into church on a Sunday afternoon in the 4 p.m. He grabbed the scroll of Isaiah 61. He starts reading, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted. Oh, I'm telling you today, Jesus, he's a healer. By his stripes, we are healed. If you got emotional pain, you got physical pain, come on, anybody believe today that he is the prince over our pain? His name is Jesus Christ. You're going like, I got regret. You don't understand, I got regret. I've been a bad husband. I've been a bad father. I've been unfaithful. I've got issues. I've got addictions. Don't you worry. If you've got regret, you've got Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that says, though your sins may be as crimson, our God, Jesus, he can wash you as white as snow. You're going like, oh, well, I'm determined to redeem my life. I'm 30 years old and I want to redeem it already. I'm 15 and I want to redeem it. I'm 65. I want to redeem it. Well, just good news. You got Jesus and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Is there anybody here today that is thankful that even if you made a mess in the middle, he can turn it around and make a message out of it. Come on, somebody give him some praise today. If you believe that Jesus is alive, Jesus can help us. You've been called by God. I don't care if you're distracted. I don't care if you got regret. I don't care how much the pain is. Come on, we're determined to redeem the middle. Come on, stand to your feet, y'all. The difference between Samson and us is that we got Jesus. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the middle of your life has looked like but I can tell you what the beginning of your life looked like. The beginning, whoo, destined for greatness. I don't care your background. I don't care your ethnicity. I don't care your socioeconomic issue, situation. I don't care what you've gone through. You've been destined for greatness. God has a plan for your life. No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind can conceive the things that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I'm telling you, if I were you, I would just sit there like the Proverbs 31 woman. I would look at your future and smile because you're destined for greatness. Greatness is coming your way. Come on, anybody believe today that you have a hope and a future in Jesus? I got this weakness though. I got a weakness. God told me to never touch this thing that I cannot stop touching. 
If you've got a weakness today, be of good cheer. You've got a greater source and a greater power that can literally move you away from weakness into strength. Some of you got pain and regret. And I don't think that's some of us. If I'm being honest, I think that's all of us. But I'm so encouraged today that even in the middle, when you're at mile seven and all you can hear is your own heavy breathing, all you can hear is your crazy thoughts, Jesus is coming to meet you in the middle. He said, we're going to turn this thing into a message. It's not going down like that. We're not waiting until your eyes are out and you're bound. We're going to use you right now. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you lift a hand to heaven right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're greater and stronger. And we believe right now that we're destined for greatness. We believe you've got a plan for our life. We're not going down like Samson. We don't want one final victory. We want to live a lifetime of victories, God. Help us to overcome. We say greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. We love you today. Oh, come on, if you got faith, come on, let's worship God. Come on, let's praise him today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.